Greetings, Retreat Church. Thank you for joining us online today and uh, worshiping with us. And, you know, I've had to mediate many arguments in my day, some of them in my own family. You know, kids start fighting, going crazy, um, you know, all of those kinds of things. You, you try to get them to resemble some sort of peace and harmony, or maybe it's been with, in, even in the church, with people, you know, fussing over various things. Um, going on in the church, and you got to mediate, you got to bring some peace, bring some harmony, um, and then, of course, you know, the big one in marriages, helping people um, come together with some disagreements in their marriage, and try to find and restore that harmony, but you know what, as a person that loves to help with that, um, sometimes I get to a place where I'm thinking, I'm not even being helpful, this is, this is like going nowhere, I'm not helping these people come to a resemblance of, of harmony and unity, and I get frustrated and got to be honest with you sometimes, like it's just, and I've done this with, I did this with my kids probably way too often, um, where I was just like, be quiet, just stop, just, just no more. The, you, you go to your corner, you go to your corner, it's over, forget it, don't communicate anymore, don't talk anymore, don't, um, just don't, just stop. And you know, sometimes um, in our country today, that's, that's the way I feel. It's like, just, just stop. Um, just stop tweeting, just stop talking, just everybody go to their own little corners, everybody just huddle together with people that think like you, and just, we'll just break off into all these little huddles, and we'll just be with people that think the same way, and that believe the same things, and then we won't bug anybody, we won't try to convince anybody, we won't just, just everybody in culture, in society to say, shut it. Can we do that? No, <laughs> because somewhere deep in our hearts, I believe that we're created to live in unity and harmony with one another and um, created to live in unity and harmony with God. And so part of why God has instituted the church is to build a community that's unified under Jesus. And that's unified in following Jesus. And that becomes very difficult sometimes because we're thinking people and we're opinionated people. And um, so it becomes very difficult. And sometimes the church is, is um, accused of being one of those sections where we tell people that you can be a part of us if you agree 100% with us or if you think exactly like us. And a lot of places in the church we sense that it is um, divided and sectioned off and that those type of Christians go over there and those type of Christians go over there. So if God's purpose for the church is to come together in unity under Christ, how do we actually do that? Well, I believe that um, we need to look for the right thing in the right places. I think looking for the right thing in the wrong places will just further the, the divide that we're experiencing in our in our country today. And Right now, our larger culture is telling us to find unity by affirming what the Bible calls sin. And if we would just say that everybody is good and everything is okay, then we'll live in harmony. I think our larger culture is also telling us to abandon the belief in objective truth and objective morality, that we'll all live in peace with one another if we just allow each other to, you have your moral standards, I have mine, and Let's just leave each other alone, and that will create harmony. Well, I think that um, that kind of 
so-called unity is a nicer way of saying what I said a few moments ago, where it's just be quiet and go to your corner, right? Um, I don't see much of a difference between me beginning becoming very frustrated and saying, you be quiet, go to your corner, you be quiet, go to your corner. I don't see much difference in that when somebody comes and says, just say everybody's okay. Just just say it. Just affirm one another. Um, just abandon the belief in objective truth and just let everything be subjective and let everybody figure it out in themselves. I think it's just an academic way or a nicer way of saying shut up and go to your corners and just stop. Um, and I think it is also a miss application of love. Um, that word love today is, is very misused, isn't it? Um, and maybe we need to return to a definition of love, especially in the church, where it means that if I'm loving you, that I'm wanting the best for you. And I'm wanting you to live out the purposes for which God created you. Maybe, maybe that's the way we need to apply love today instead of just saying, I love you, so do whatever you want. Or, I love you, believe, and think whatever you want. I, I just love you. You know, I, I don't think that's agape. I don't think that's unconditional love. I, I think that that could be um, one of the worst forms of hate. Is if I think that you are doing something that's going to destroy your life. That if I just say, I love you, go ahead. I'm just like, in me saying that I love you, I'm really just giving you permission to self-destruct. And I... I think that, that, that that's a terrible um, way to, to live in a culture, and, and we call that unity. I, I, don't, I don't think it is at all. And so in our series, Our Why, trying to discover why God instituted the church and, and why God formed this body of believers, um, we're looking to this reason today that we are to seek um, to carry out, or excuse me, that the church is to carry on the work begun by Jesus, and that in that, as Jesus began the work of unifying all people under himself and within himself, that the church is supposed to continue to do that. Let's look at a passage of scripture that helps us get our mind around that, and that is in Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 7, where we learn that God, that Jesus began this work through the unity of redemption. Okay, I'll read this to us today, starting in verse 7. It says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to, here's a key phrase, unite all things in him, things in heaven or things on earth. So if that was the purpose of Jesus, as he began to fulfill the mystery, which we looked at last week with the mystery that Paul was talking about in Ephesians, was this, this um, work of God to bring Jew and Gentile together into one person, one people, one nation, one priesthood, serving God together as one. And when you did that, you'll notice that this is the work that Jesus began to do through redemption, through buying us back, through buying us out of sin and into freedom and into a relationship with him. That as he began that work, notice verse 9 ends with the phrase, which he set forth in Christ, which he began to do in Christ. And now the church is to carry on that work. 
And I believe that as we move forward in understanding this idea of how the church is supposed to take what Jesus has done in unifying people, unifying Jew and Gentile, that as the church moves along in different parts of the world, that part of our purpose of coming together as the body of Christ and living out our purpose as the church is to continue that unity of bringing people into unity under the lordship of Jesus Christ through the redemption provided by Jesus on the cross. In fact, unity is found there. That is, unity through what Jesus did on the cross. We can look at Colossians chapter 1, verses 18 through 20 to understand that fact where Paul writes this. He says, And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from among the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all of the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death, in order to present you and you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. So it is through the work of the cross. It is not through the things that I mentioned earlier. It is not through eliminating objective moral goods and, and, and duties. It is not through um, eliminating objective truth. It is not through misuse of the word or the actions of love. It is not by affirming sin that we find unity. It is in fact by the cleansing of our sin that then we can come become unified under the work of Christ. And it is the work that he started on the cross by paying the penalty for our sins, shedding his blood for our sins, providing forgiveness, and that as you and I come to Christ together as broken sinners, we come to Christ, we become cleansed of our sin, and as we are cleansed in our sin, we can then be unified together in Christ. It's not a false unity. It's not a unity where it is just based upon ignoring simple truths and facts. It is not a unity based upon ignoring the self-destruction that humans are so good at doing to themselves. It is about unifying under the work of the cross of Jesus. And finally, we look at this, notice that we are to um, be unified in prayer. Unified in prayer. I think we can do that. I think we can have different opinions, but we can come to God. And if you and I have a disagreement, we can go to the Lord with it. We can go pray and ask Him. We can go to the Scriptures. We can seek those things that will help you and I come to a unified position under the Lordship of Jesus Christ as revealed in the Scriptures as we together seek God in prayer. Notice what, again, Paul writes, or excuse me, what Mark writes in Mark chapter 11, verse 17. He said, He began to, to, he began to teach and to say to them, is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations? But you have made it a den of robbers, is what Jesus told the people in his day, because they had turned the house of God into a place of merchandise, a place of, of abuse, a place of using people for self selfish gain. And it wasn't about prayer. And Jesus said, My house, my, my place of worship, is to be a house of prayer for all nations. So, 
what is so beautiful about a church is when you have people coming together from various backgrounds and various perspectives and various nationalities and various races, races and cultures, and they come together and they say, we are here today with all of our differences, but we are here today to be unified in prayer and to seek God in this place of worship. What an, what an amazing reason why to gather, right? What an amazing reason why to go to a worship service is to say that we are all very different in some ways and that we all have a bunch of different ideas and thoughts and concepts, but we're going to come today into the house of God. We're going to seek God together in unity, and as God speaks to us, we will obey Him. We will move in the direction as revealed to us in the Scriptures because God is unifying all things under Jesus. And when we come together in prayer, that unity is actuated. It's not by being quiet. It's not by giving in to my temptation when I become so frustrated. And it's just go to a different corner. Just everybody stop talking. But it's when we come together and it's so beautiful when various local churches within a larger community begin to come together and pray together. There is such power in that because God's purpose for the church is to be unified. And part of that unity is coming together in places of worship and seeking God in prayer. Now, what we all have to do at this point is we have to be honest with ourselves and say that I don't have all the right answers and, and neither do you, but Jesus does. And so in our places of context, let's go try to find out what Jesus taught on this subject. And the both of us agree that whatever he taught, we're, we're going to bend in that direction. Notice what Paul writes in Romans chapter 15, verses 5 and 7. He says, May God, may the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accordance with Jesus Christ. See what I'm saying there? And then verse 6, That together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. I think there's a, some great advice there on unity. The first piece being that we're going to agree that as we come together seeking unity and harmony, that we're going to do so according with Christ. Not according to my own political stance, not according to my own um, position on various issues, but that I will surrender and you will surrender all of our opinions onto, into following what Jesus commanded them. And then we can have those prayerful discussions and those questions. And we join to God together in prayer about those subjects. If you and I would both do that, I think then we would be able to come together with one voice, as verse 6 says, and that one voice then will glorify God. And I know you may be saying to yourself at this point, Pastor, that's, that's much easier said than done. Exactly it is. Because th this is tough. This is challenging things. And the more intelligent and wonderful you are, the more challenging this becomes. Because there are so many different ideas and concepts and things that we're grappling with in our culture today. And the easiest way, honestly, for us to, to do this is to just shut off our brains, right? And to stop thinking. To stop thinking about the various issues that we face today. To stop thinking about the pandemic. To stop thinking about um, the economy and, um, and border issues and, and health care issues and all of these different things that we're facing today. 
it's much easier for us to just shut off our brains, stop communicating, just stay away from one another in our own corners, but the Bible's not allowing us to do that. And as we follow Christ, he says, come to me with your disagreements. Prayerfully seek me. Prayerfully follow my word. And in that, we can form a voice that would bring glory to God. So as we seek to fulfill this purpose for which God created the church, and we seek to do this hard work of building unity, which Jesus started on the cross, the goal for us then becomes, or maybe the challenge becomes, that we be unified under the teachings of Jesus to provide light in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. I think that we can all agree that our culture has problems. Somebody um, shot me a text earlier last week and said that they're so confused that they're, they just want to give up on trying to participate in any of this because, because of all of the conflicting information we get from people that are supposed to be experts. And this person was, like a lot of us, just exhausted. I think they were ready to say, I'm just going to shut up and go to my corner and, and let, let, everybody, let the world spin out of control. But notice what Paul says in Philippians chapter 2, verses 14 through 16. He says, do all things without grumbling or disputing. That's a good starting point, right? It's a good starting point. Verse 15, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. So there's goal number one. We're not going to grumble. We're not going to become violent. We're not going to be rude. We're not going to get in these senseless kind of arguments as back and forth. We're not going to engage in that. And as we withhold and abstain from participating in that nonsense, we will be blameless and innocent children of God. And then, look at this, he says in verse 16, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain and labor in vain. So we go to this place where we say, I'm not going to participate in, the, in the, all of the negativity and all of the arguing, but I'm going to hold fast to the Word of God. If we would together, as the church, come and say, our goal is to be biblical. Our goal is to view these issues through the lens provided for us in Scripture. And as we do that, and we're not arguing, and we're not complaining, we're not grumbling at one another, we are having good, helpful cooperative discussions based upon the Word of God so that we can come together with a united voice and speak into a crooked and twisted generation. That's a big task, ladies and gentlemen. That's a task that's not going to be something that is going to be without the, our own flesh wanting to get in the way of that, and it is not going to be um, a battle and a fight that in which we are going to um, not encounter evil, that we're not going to encounter Satan's efforts against the church. This is going to be very difficult. That's why it is so vitally important for us to gather together in whatever means necessary, be it online together, be it in person, be it outside, be it, be it these different areas. Christians have to be together during this time, and Christians have to unite together under the Lordship of Jesus Christ, in accordance with His Word. And in this moment, we will, receive, we, will, we will be seeing people come to know the Lord Jesus Christ because the church has decided to speak out in love and unity, not in a false sense of unity, not in a misuse of love, 
but in the love that is based upon the beginning, the work begun by Jesus Christ on the cross. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you next time.